where there are things said that shouldn't be said, where the um, family isn't the priority. And then I, I absolutely try my best to live the perspective on the other end of the scale, where the family is the priority, where my wife is my priority, where I want to love her more than anything else in, on this earth, to love my wife and have a good relationship. I want you guys to experience that too. You may already, and I'm not saying that you don't, but I want us all to have that life because I know the peace and contentment and joy and happiness that it brings when you live like that. I, I can remember going to bed at night as a child and as an eight, nine, ten-year-old child crying all night long because I could hear what was going on. And, and children naturally think that maybe they can help or they can change something. I remember that. And uh, I don't want that for any of you guys. Take your, take your Bibles and, like I said, turn to Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 6. And I'll read that, Proverbs 15, 6. <clears throat> in the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. I don't care what, I have a sign in my house and on our bookshelf, and it says this. It says, the greatest things in life aren't things, and they're not. We can have the right type of family if we have nothing in this world. We can have the right type of family if we have a lot of this world's treasures. Those things are not the treasures that bring happiness. Those are the things that we strive for in life. Those are the things that we place a priority on by our actions, but they're not the things that will bring us peace and joy and contentment and happiness. The thing that will bring you joy and peace and happiness is adhering to the principles of the Word of God. Having the right type of family is one of those principles, and it will bring you such peace and joy. I, I thank God for the examples that I've had in this church. I, I've learned, I, my wife and I have been here now 30, right at 30 years, and I, I thank God for the examples that I've seen. I see Brother Bob, I've, I've missed Brother Bob the last four Sundays, that he hasn't been here for being sick, I've learned a lot from him by looking at his life, by looking at his family. And I want to live a life like that that you want to look at and emulate. There are people that have happy lives. We don't hear a lot about that, but we do. And so uh, there, are, there are some things that I want you to see today that are true treasures, that are true treasures that we should be pursuing, that we should be going after. Uh, I'm guilty as anybody of working way, way too much. I work way too many hours. And at times, I think, you know what, I'm pursuing these things that really don't matter. It's not the important things of life. So I'm gonna jump into the lesson. The important things of life are found, and uh, the things we need to look at are found in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Any questions thus far? This is Sunday school, and I'd like to have it a little bit back and forth dialogue if you have questions. Anybody with any questions? Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> and I am also trying to guard my voice. I have not been able to speak well after having surgery for, for a while, so I am going to be very, very careful with it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. And Christopher, would you mind reading that for me, please? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32.
the Lord gives us six things that should be put out of our lives and out of our homes. But I think these six things in many instances, even in Christian homes, are very prevalent. There are things that are there. And, and let's look at them. Number one, bitterness. What is bitterness? What is that? Somebody help me. What is bitterness? I'm sorry? Yeah, that, that's what it is. Anybody else? I'm sorry? You know, I, I've, I've discovered this in life. The people that, that I get mad at, really, are not the strangers that are out in the street that I don't know. The people that I can get easily mad at are the people I know. It, it's the ones I live with every day. It's the ones that I wake up next to every day. If I don't watch it, that's the one that I'll get mad at. And I will hold on to that issue. And something will start happening in the depth of my heart towards that person. And before I know it, the one that I love, the one that I promised to provide for and protect, becomes the one that I have bitterness towards. And I've seen it. Love somebody one day, and a year later, that's the one I'm bitter towards. Because of, and you fill in the blank. The Lord says, what does he say? Put it away. To me, that describes a specific action that I can do. It's a decision that I make. I decide whether or not I want to have bitterness leave and not be a part of my life. Or my actions determine that I'm going to keep bitterness. The Lord says, put it away. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you, every one of us are susceptible to bitterness. We all have the potential to have something happen in our life where I just cannot stand to be around that person, where I can't even stand to hear their voice. It's our decision how we think about that. And I'm telling you, when problems come, the Bible says they will, you will have difficulties in life. When they come, you guard yourself against that bitterness. And when you feel that seed being planted, you put it away. Here's what I do. I would lie to you if I told you in 36 years my wife and I have never argued. <laughs> we have. But we decided a long time ago that when we do, we're not going to be accusing in our arguing. We're not going to be vicious in our arguing. We're going to be point, have points and be factual. But at the end, it's done. When we have a disagreement, after we get through that disagreement, it's over with. We're not going to talk about it again. We come to a decision, and it's done. Don't allow bitterness to get in your heart and control you. And that's what it's doing. It controls you if we allow it to get in our heart. So the Lord says, put it away. That's the first thing he says, put out of your house. Put away. Don't let it be a part of who you are. The second one is this, wrath. What is wrath? What is wrath? Yes, sir. Anger. It's anger. Chris? Uncontrolled. Uncontrolled, uncontrolled anger, you said? Uncontrolled anger. Yes, sir. It is. It's just wrath. Have you ever seen anybody in a fit of rage? I mean, just, I'm ready to... 
no testimony, Mary. Okay, you don't need, you don't need to say, oh, it wasn't your husband. Okay, you don't need to say anything about that. Wrath is something, and, and you're going to find a unique thing about these six things the Lord tells us to put away. They're all things that control you. Anybody that has driven in Memphis understands how rage is easy. I, 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 I'm sorry? I had, I had a friend. He, he attended church here. He no longer lives here. He lives in Arkansas. Matter of fact, he goes to Brother Danny's church. Brother Bob's son is a pastor in, in Arkansas. And he was driving down 240. <clears throat> and he said, I don't even know what I did. He said a guy pulled up to me and doing all this and, and just angry as he could be. He said, pulled, pushed him off the road. Got out of it. The guy got out of his car, walked up to Jeremy King, walked up to, to Jeremy's car. Bam! Shot right behind him. Over some issue that he didn't even know about in driving. Wrath. Wrath will drive you to do and say things that you shouldn't say. Again, it's about us controlling our emotion, us deciding what our actions will be in life and making sure things that are vengeful, that are hateful against somebody else, it, it, it slays me at times, to be honest with you. I was, my wife and I were watching the news. Oh, we were watching something on um, uh, the life of Reagan last night before we went to bed. And it talked about his first wife. Wife, I can't think of her name. Um, does any, any of you guys know Reagan's first wife? She was an actress. Who? Yeah, something like that. And uh, he talked about, oh, they were the idyllic couple. But she outgrew him, and she didn't love him anymore. I don't understand that. I can't fathom that. It only happens when you allow these things to enter your life, where bitterness comes in, or you have wrath against somebody and uncontrolled anger against them. Number three. You want to say something, Brother Bob? Number three <clears throat> is, in fact, anger. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I want to get to some of the others. Anger. What does the Bible say about anger when we're mad at somebody? Anger and sin not. And don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Wow. Isn't it amazing the simple directions of the Word of God that we don't listen to, that we simply don't listen to? You guys that aren't married yet, understand these principles. And when you do get married, apply them into your family life. Make sure that when you have wives, you have a husband, you other guys get married, that you make sure that you don't let these bitter sins that could affect your family life control you. You control them. Yes, ma'am. That's absolutely right. And that personally is one of the things my wife and I have decided that when we get mad at each other, we are going to work it out. If we have to stay up all night, we're going to get it worked out. We're not going to bed until things are settled. 
Now, we don't argue. I mean, we just don't anymore. What, young, as a younger couple, we, we had some doozies. But, but we just don't argue we, because we begin to understand the principles of God's word. <clears throat> Number four, I think it is, is clamor. What in the world's clamor? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A- absolutely right. And, and you get, when you allow your life to get to that point, you don't make sense. You, you say things to each other that you truly don't mean, but you've said it. And then those words, what was the thing we used to say as a kid? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, they do. They do. Words hurt. Yes, ma'am. It is an uproar. This, that's, it, that's exactly what it is. I, um, I looked it up in, in the 1812, 1828 dictionary that the pastor has been talking about. I, we went out and bought one because I wanted to make sure I had that, and, and I looked it up. And, and that's what it, it says. It says, constant complaining. And, man, I don't have my glasses on. i got to put my glasses on. Hold on one second. It's tough getting old, Johnny. It's tough getting old. Yeah, it, it's that constant bitter, bitter uh, and complaining and, and urgent demanding, and you're going to do this, and this is the way it's going to be, and I don't care what you think. And we have that in families. Clamoring. Clamoring. Number five. Yes, sir. Shouting vehemently. That's exactly right, and, and that's what it is. <clears throat> if, if you want to create a relationship where you don't want to be in it anymore, in it anymore. If you want to create a relationship where there isn't joy and peace anymore, if you want to create a relationship that you don't want to be a part of anymore, then you have clamoring, then you have malice, then you have anger, then you have bitterness. You, you, in, you join those things into that relationship, and that's what you're going to have. None of us want that type of relationship. None of us do. We want to love each other. The people we have relationships with, we want to love them, don't we? Well, we do. That's why we enter into the relationship. Put these things away. Don't let them enter in to your relationship. And it is a decision. We decide whether or not we're going to be angry. <clears throat> there was a, uh, I want to be careful in telling the story because I don't want to tell on anybody. There was a situation where um, a group of people were at an event and somebody outside of uh, the group was acting obnoxious, cussing, saying things they shouldn't say. The easiest thing to do is to get mad, to get aggressive against them, to be proactive, to put them down and put them in their place. But ultimately, how you react to any situation is your decision. You decide on how you want to react. 
So uh, what, what does Proverbs say? Um, soft answer turns away wrath. I was thinking about the, uh, I should have written it down, I didn't. Um, um, but the fire goes out where, where there's um, uh, wood, something to that effect. That, that's not a good quote. Here's the truth of the matter is. The, the truth of the matter is this. You decide the relationships you have. Brother Rogers and Mrs. Rogers, they decide if they want to be happy in life. I decide with my wife if I want us to have a happy marriage. It is my decision. Brother Bob and Miss Dana, Miss Dana decides whether or not they're going to have a happy marriage. <laughs> I am teasing. I am teasing. We, even among friends, Chris and I are friends. And I decide the type of interaction that I'm going to have with Chris. I'm friends with Emily, and I decide the type of interaction that I want to have with her and with Trish. Our, our responses to people are our decisions. And when we don't respond right, and anger comes in, and malice comes in, what is that called? Sin. It's sin. It is sin. And we need to see it like that. We need to see it is my responsibility, not Linda's responsibility. Linda's my wife. It's not Linda's responsibility how our marriage goes. It's 100% Jeff's responsibility. From her perspective, it's not Jeff's responsibility how our marriage goes. It's Linda's, 100%. We have to have people that understand the responsibilities that we have in a family relationship, and that is all on me to make sure that that goes well. And if I do everything that I'm supposed to do, I, can you control another person? Is there anybody here that can control another person? <laughs> you know what? We can't. The only one that we can control is me. That's it. That's it. So bitterness and anger and malice and clamor and the fifth thing that we need to put away, evil speaking. Uh, Mom, uh, you just don't know how he treated me. You just have no idea what he did to me. Or the husband with the buddies. Oh, my word. You should see my, my old lady. You should see what she did. Evil speaking is another action that we do that we should control. Control what you say. We said a little while ago that, that words do hurt. Be uplifting. What, what does the Word of God say? Think on these things. And what does he name? Say it louder, please. Say it louder. Think on these things. When we don't do that and we are evil speaking, what is that? Sin. It's sin again. I, my whole point today is I want us to see the relationships that we have are our responsibilities, nobody else's. 
And then when we do counter to what we're supposed to do, it is sin. It is sin. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> Absolutely right. We have to be very careful with what we say. We, we do. Is there anybody here that's ever been offended by somebody that, some, something that somebody said to them? I have. I have. I, I wish I wasn't. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Well, I, I have been. And I dare say, every one of us have been. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. And the last one, I need to get hurry here. <clears throat> last one is this. Malice. Put away malice. What's malice? Sir, you intentionally, that's right. I'm going to get you. I'm going after you. You've had it, buddy. <laughs> husbands have said that to wives, and wives have said that to husbands. Put it away from us. I'm going to give you the, the three things, though. We put those six things away. Get rid of them. Get them out of your marriage. Get them out of your relationships, out of your life. But there are three things the Bible says for us to put in our relationships. And I'm going to quickly go over it because I don't have any time. Look at um, verse number 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So what three things should we ensure that are in our relationships? There should be kindness in our relationships. Intentionally decide you're going to be kind. Tender-hearted. What, is, what does tender-hearted mean? Karen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you all in on a secret. My wife has been battling her foot problems for about a year and a half now. So, so bad that it... At times, she will lay in bed crying at night. I mean, very bad. I make sure. I, I've decided to put something in my life with her because I love her, and it's tenderheartedness. I am not naturally a tenderhearted guy. You know, okay, whatever. I just, I'm not. Every day, I, I intentionally decide to say, babe, how's your feet? It's just a simple question. How are you doing? How, are, are your feet hurting you today? I make sure that I ask her that every day. Not because I am a great guy, I'm not. I want to do what the Lord said for me to do with her and be tender-hearted. And I know it's something that's, that's big in her life. It's something that, that, that is overwhelming in her life. And I want her to know her husband cares. I care. Love people. Be concerned about somebody else's problems. Be tender-hearted. Brother Rogers, Mary asked me to make sure I hammer this one pretty hard. So. <laughs> be be tender-hearted. Care for somebody else. It all boils down to this. If you want to be happy, forget yourself and love on somebody else. That's what it boils down to. And something happens along. Happiness is not that thing we're going for and trying to get to. 
when we're doing for somebody else, when we're caring for somebody else, when we're loving somebody else, as I'm on that road going in that direction, something amazing happens. Happiness comes. It happens. It's not the destination. It's the result of being on the right, towards, going towards the right destination. Put away the things that are anti your happiness. Get on the path of caring for somebody else. Being concerned and being caring towards somebody else. You're going to be a happy person, I promise you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for clear principles in your word. I pray, Father, that we would take these and learn, Lord, and apply them to our lives, Lord, and be the Christian that you want us to be. I pray that you'd be with our pastor. Help him this morning, Lord. Help his, his voice, Lord, uh, this morning. I pray that you would use him in the morning service. In Jesus' name, amen.